This program is brought to you by the University of Southern Queensland. Let's see how some of those hours were spent to bring you the music you want when you want it. Star Country Gold, a new three record collection featuring country greats like Hank Williams Jr. It's Wednesday, my dudes. <laughs> and that means it's time again for a steaming hot bowl of For the Record right here on phoenixradio.com.au. My name is Tyler. And I am Gabby. And what a steaming hot bowl we do have today. What's coming up, Gab? Well, we talked to the residents of Springfield to see what they think of the future of the Broncos might be. What do you think about the Broncos, Tyler? Uh, well, I am very much an NRL... Well, I'd call it a noob. I really know nothing <laughs> about the NRL other than you run with the ball. And according to my family, the Broncos are great. Well, it sounds like you have no clue. So even you will be learning more about the Broncos today. Oh, I will be. <laughs> How about this? Uh, Aldi is not evil, apparently. As far as we know, they've decided to turn all 555 stores in Australia carbon neutral and totally renewable. This seems amazing if possible. So we're going to dive in and see if, if see if it is an achievable change that more and more companies should start investing in. Plus, we jump on our Zoom plane and take a trip to see how coronavirus is expecting countries around the world. Now, today in Springfield, we've got blue skies, fluffy clouds and a light breeze. It's currently a cool 21 degrees, with a high of 23. Tonight we'll reach lows of 4 degrees, so make sure you're prepared to stay warm. If you need something new to watch while all rugged up, we've got you covered covering up this night. Uh, covering up right after this, we have discussing with Dan where you should be putting your eyes and ears. You're listening to For The Record on phoenixradio.com.au and we'll see you right after Say So by Doja Cat. And that was Say So by Doja Cat. And you're listening to For The Record on phoenixradio.com.au. Now, finding something to watch can be a tough de- tough decision with so many different places offering content. You can find yourself in a pickle pretty quickly. Uh, but we have a solution. Here's the host of Always Be Watching podcast. Welcome back for For The Record, Dan the Man Barrett. Dan, how are you today? Good afternoon. So, based on the introduction, am I now officially the show's the pickler? Yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, um, look, it's a, look, with great power comes great responsibility. I'm there for it. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Now, Dan, my eyes are craving some action. Let's listen to what we should be looking at this week. Okay, look, if you are craving action, there is nothing you want to sort of really crave more than hot Germans in the TV show Biohackers. Ooh, you've got my attention. Let's take a listen. Lasst uns über die Zukunft reden. Synthetische Biologie macht uns von Geschöpfen zu Schöpfern. Das ist nicht nur die Zukunft der Medizin, sondern der Menschheit. Now, Dan, I have no idea what they're saying, but it sounds so intense. Tell us about it, please. Look, it doesn't matter what you're saying in German. It always sounds intense. Um, so, Biohackers is the brand new show from Netflix. And like all foreign language shows on Netflix, it comes along with a pretty sophisticated dub over the top. So if you want to keep on staring at your phone while you're quote unquote watching TV, um, you can do that without any problems. Now, this is a show I read the log line for and I thought this is perfect. This is completely up my alley. So this is what it says, like the blurb you find on like imdb.com. It calls it a fast paced thriller following a medical student named Mia 
who discovers the use of highly advanced biohacking technology in her university town. I read that logline, I thought, cool, cool. Then I watched the trailer, and the trailer felt a little bit different. It was a lot more light and frothy, and there's, because it's like, it said it's college town, there's mm-hmm. like lots of like cute young German college students in it, and I'm like, okay, you know what, I can go for that. It's a bit sort of brighter and happier than I thought. Mm-hmm. And then the trailer takes a bit of a dark turn. And I thought, okay, so maybe the show itself is kind of like that, where it starts out being a fun story about a girl coming to like a, her new college and hanging out with her new med student friends. And I'm like, this is totally on board. And all the med friends are involved in biohacking, which if you don't know what that is, this is people playing around with their bodies to be able to do really cool things. So, for example, some people will put like magnets into like their fingertips. They can pick up things and do cool stuff like that. Other people might put like your chip from your bank card sort of under their skin. So you don't need your card anymore. You can just like tap and go with your hand. Oh, my like, goodness. Cool it things. sounds like X-Men like, experiments. Oh, look, absolutely. But people do this in real life. And it's called biohacking. And I am fascinated by it. So I'm like, I'm absolutely there for this show. The problem with the show is that it kind of starts out with that. Because this girl turns up at her college, uh, like, share house, and there's, like, a guy there who's, like, really into it, and he's always doing a little experiment for himself. They go to, like, a rave later that night, and they put, like, a solution in their eyes. So while they're drinking and taking other substances, uh, they're also getting, like, this sort of uh, visual trick where everything is, like, really cool and visually exciting. And I thought this show is going to do some really wild things, and then it becomes really dull and really broke for, like, the next four, four, about four to five episodes. Like, it just doesn't really live up to the promise of it. What you do get is a fairly generic story about a girl who gets caught up with her university lecturer who's involved in some sort of very high-level manipulations of uh, the genetics of her patients. And so she kind of gets caught up in a bit of a cat-and-mouse game with her. The thing is that we've kind of seen that kind of thing before, but what we haven't seen is people doing really cool stuff with their body, injecting stuff in and, you know, seeing the consequences of that. That'd be a wild show. This is merely a fairly entertaining show. Well, that sounds very intense and very different. Um, <laughs> but I'm probably going to have a little quick exquisite it, but our ears need attention now. What should we be listening to this week? Look, never forget your ears. And I think maybe the best way to treat them is a bit of the White Stripes with a new podcast called Striped, the story of the White Stripes. 2000 is just a crucial year of connections. It's uh, Meg White and Jack White who make up the white stripes. I definitely told Janet, you got to hear this band. You got to get their records. It was just one of those clear... Uh, that sounds very interesting. I'm very much a White Stripes fan. I dabble in there a bit, but tell us more, Dan. Look, I like the White Stripes. I wouldn't call myself like a hardcore fan, but I had a few of the albums and like I listened to them nonstop. So I've got a bit of a grounding in the White Stripes, but I didn't really know much about their origins. There's a bit of a trend happening within the podcast space right now with a lot of dedicated like five to ten episode documentaries about bands that you may be familiar with but don't really know the nitty-gritty details about them. So Stripe is probably one of the first ones to come along. There's a really cool one about the talking heads that's out at the moment that everyone's going a bit nuts for. But I want to focus on Stripe because it is kind of the first of one of these big sort of documentary pods around at the moment. And this... It's really interesting in that it takes a look at these very early days of the White Stripes, like Prees and actually performing as the White Stripes together. So it's about Jack White noodling around in a few bands and then hooks up with his sister to form this other band. And like they were never really the band that was ever going to make it. But then suddenly this is the band that actually makes it. Like people get energized by the raw electricity of like the White Stripes sound. 
Because like even today, 20 odd years after the White Stripes, like they still sound so energetic and like the power of the White Stripes is like absolutely there anytime you listen to any of their tracks. But at the time, like there were just no bands that sounded like that. Lots of imitators came along afterwards, but the White Stripes at the beginning were one of a kind. And where this documentary goes is you follow the chart of where the White Stripes took their career and like those sort of early formative periods of playing just like crappy bars around the place to places sort of mid-sized venues and then their first overseas tour, which took them to Japan and then to Australia. Uh, so there was like a strong Australian contingent, uh, like things about three or four episodes, they dedicated to the Australia trip. And like, it's all really cool, but the people they talk to are the people who are influenced by the band and not really the band themselves. Like, you don't really hear from Jack or Meg White at all, but you do hear a big story about the guy who brought the White Stripes over to Australia and how he didn't have the money to do that, but he borrowed, like, $5,000 off a friend and faked his way through a promotional tour. And it's just, like, little stories like that. And listening to it, you get so energized and pumped, and all you want to do is listen to more and more White Stripes albums, which is perfect for the reason podcast because they're trying to sell some albums. However, check it out. It's amazing. Uh, that sounds very interesting, Dan. We're a bit over time here at the moment, so thank you very much for coming us this week. Thanks That's so much, Dan. For more recommendations, check out Dan's podcast, Always Be Watching, and follow him on Twitter at TheDanBarrett. Up next, how the coronavirus is affecting people around the world. We get in our Zoom plane and fly around the world. You'll find out where we'll be landing right after this. You're listening to For The Record here on phoenixradio.com.au and here is 19-2000 by Gorillaz. Right, you're back on phoenixradio.com.au with For The Record. Corona time. The coronavirus. COVID outbreak. Coronavirus. Coronavirus. It forced quarantine. Global coronavirus. Your attention, please. Flight crew, please prepare for takeoff. Over the past few weeks, we have travelled around the globe to find out how the coronavirus is affecting countries around the world. We've had a chance to travel to Belgium, Canada and Japan. But you may have heard a very little about how COVID-19 is affecting this week's destination. Today, we take a trip all the way over to Kenya, a country with 31,000 infections and a 56% recovery rate. Joining us today is Tommy Nawi, a Nairobi resident and director of the Mirror of Hope charity. How are you, Tommy? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, we're doing pretty good. So in Kenya, there have been over 30,000 confirmed cases. Are you and your family doing okay? Yes, uh, we are pretty good so far. That's so good to hear. Yeah, it's always good to hear when people haven't been affected by it. Um, But our media here in Australia hasn't really given us any insight to what's happening in Kenya. It's all about, you know, America, about Europe. How has the situation actually been handled in Kenya by the health department there? Well, uh, I think I would say that our health department has uh, has done quite well so far. However, you know, as much as the Ministry of Health has been working so hard to uh, to raise awareness and to help people not get um, infected, uh, majority of Kenyans uh, still don't believe that uh, COVID-19 exists. Now, Nairobi is home to areas which are very densely populated. How is the coronavirus affecting those areas? Is there much community transmission? Yes, uh, currently we are having a lot of uh, community transmission and especially in the slums around Nairobi. Nairobi is home to uh, quite a number of slums. And, uh, you know, one thing about coronavirus uh, that we are always told is uh, the whole thing about uh, keeping social distance. But then uh, in Nairobi and particularly in the slums where we work, uh, social distance is a privilege only a few people can afford. And so 
you know, in an area that is so densely populated, asking people to keep uh, social distance is something that is just not practical. And so that's why, uh, you know, that explains why we have a lot of uh, community uh, infections. Do you guys have to wear masks when you go out in public? Yes, uh, that's, that's a requirement. But interestingly, if you go into the slum areas, people don't uh, uh, care about the masks. In fact, you know, most of the work that we do uh, is, is in the slums. And uh, you get there and no one is, is, is having the mask on. But in other parts of the, of the city, you will find people wearing masks. But mostly it's because people fear, I mean, don't want to be, uh, to be arrested because, uh, you know, the police are walking around arresting people without masks. So in actual sense, most people are just wearing masks uh, because of the police, but not because they care about themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, we actually have some similar scandals going on in Australia where people refuse to wear masks because of all these different reasons, some of them being they don't believe in COVID. Conspiracy theorists. Yeah, yeah. And... But um, what would you wish that something your government would do differently? Well, I think uh, one of the things that uh, the government should do differently is uh, because, you know, since the first case of coronavirus in Kenya, the government has been employing a lot of, uh, you know, fear kind of tactics, you know, instilling fear in people rather than educating. Uh, and I think that's what the government needs to uh, deviate from. It, rather than instill fear on people, I think the best is uh, to educate people and do it in, you know, in, in the most simplest ways so that uh, the message can get across to as many people as possible. Tommy, what is something that you've learned about yourself during this pandemic? One thing I've, I've, uh, I've learned my, uh, about myself is, uh, of course, the re- resilience. And uh, I have actually learned that, uh, you know, despite the pandemic, despite the difficult, I'm still able to, uh, you know, to do my best in reaching out to the people that really need my, uh, my presence. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, you have a more active role and everything, but I think a lot of people are learning how to be resilient and how to talk. And um, But the one question I really want to ask you is, what do you miss about the pre-COVID world and what is the first thing you'll do once the pandemic is over? As soon as COVID is over, I think I'll give very big hugs to uh, all my friends uh, whenever I meet them. I'm the same. I miss being able to hug all my friends when I see them. Um, thank you so much for joining us today, Tommy. It has been fantastic talking to you and hearing about what's going on in Kenya because our, our media doesn't talk about it. And it, one of the best things about this segment is yeah. hearing about what's going on in all these places over the earth. So thank you so much for joining us today, Tommy. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And that was Tommy Nawir, and you're listening to For The Record on phoenixradio.com.au. That was Chameleon, and this is USQ's newest show, For The Record. It's time to delve into the lives of one of our producers as they try something new this week. Now, we've had some cool ideas in the past. We've had Zane, who did the 50 Nugget Challenge, and Jake, who wore a mask for a full 24 hours. And Gabby also did her little mugwort tea. But I did. This, <laughs> but, the, but this week, we take a slightly different approach. We sent Maylee from our record team into the world to try something new. Here's what she found. I'm Maylee, and today I've been instructed to try something new. And I thought I could do something super adventurous, like skydiving or bungee jumping. But that's not really the mood of my experience in 2020. So 
I thought to myself, what's something a bit more low-key that I've always wanted to do? I decided that I wanted to bake bread from scratch. I looked online and found a few recipes, but none were exactly what I wanted to do. So I sort of spliced them together to create my own recipe. And as someone who has literally never baked bread before, I guarantee it'll be great. It, it can, it's gonna be great. Yeah. I'm really hoping I don't have to uh, get my hands in this dough. That's sort of a, a typical thing when making dough. But I'm just using this spoon. Mushing it around. It definitely is not going to finish unless I put my hands in there. Alright, it is very sticky and I hate it. It, it all seems pretty wet, which is what I want. Now I have to shape it into a bowl and put it in the bowl and detach it from my hands, which I can do, maybe. There we go. Now we leave it to rest. All right, let's have a look. does not look appetizing. There's lots of little holes in it. But it, it has grown like way bigger. I meant to <laughs> I meant to dust this with corn flour. It didn't tell me exactly how much. It just said dust it. Oh no it did. It said two teaspoons. I put way more than two teaspoons on, but that's okay. Oh, oh, it's so warm. The dough is so warm. Ooh. So we put it on here. Yes, I'm just massaging it into shape now. So I've been mostly following the recipe, but here is where I step off the tracks and I do the one thing that all great chefs know to do, which is put whatever random herbs you have in your cupboard on top of your bread so it looks really fancy. So it's gonna be basil bread. That sounds like a thing. We put the bread in the oven. Now I have to leave it to cook. Bread has been removed. It's really hot. Well, it smells good. It smells like basil. Oh my gosh, no. It still looks kind of doughy. This is why you don't make your own recipe. Something you've never made before. But, you know, we're in it now. Ooh, ow, ow, hot. All right, 
The moment of truth. Ooh, it's got a good crunch to it. <laughs> I can now say I know how to make bread from scratch, which is cool, and the bread tasted alright, but I don't know if it was worth the huge mess I've made in this kitchen. Oh well. That was, for the record, producer Maylee there taking us on her adventure of making bread for the first time in her life. It was pretty cool. I have one question for Maylee that she can tell me after this, but did you bring us the bread? No, I don't think she did. Oh, okay, well, up next we have big news from overnight in the Broncos sports scene. In times of disaster, both natural and personal, it can be difficult to know where to turn for help. AskIzzy.org.au is here to help by connecting you to over 370,000 support services across Australia, including food, money help and counselling. There's now a bushfire support category so you can access relief services near you. And if you're on the Telstra network, it's also data free so you don't need phone credit. It's all anonymous and free and here to help you. AskIzzy.org.au to find help in your area. Hey, this is Callum Russell from Emerge. A show dedicated to bringing you the best music coming out of Queensland. For the latest in music news, gig recommendations, interviews and performances, tune in Monday nights from 7 to 9pm. On 1197am, digital radio and phoenixradio.com.au. Now, with Brisbane Broncos being one of the prized teams of the NRL in recent years and the sudden shift towards a lesser quality of rugby league, we decided to talk to someone who can shed more light on the recent departing of Broncos coach Anthony Siebold. Today, we talked to a longtime NRL fan and 7 News reporter, Ben Davis. How are you doing today, Ben? <laughs> uh, very good. Very good. Yeah, and it's a, uh, been a big day down at uh, Red Hill. Uh, the fourth coach of the Brisbane Broncos, Anthony Seabold, uh, has left the building officially. Uh, some <laughs> saying it was the inevitable that was happening, but uh, today uh, he made it official. He addressed the players and said he is stepping down immediately. It's something that he insists was his, of his own doing. He contacted the chairman late last week and said, let's... Uh, Let's work this out, how we can uh, we can end our agreement. And it was a five-year agreement too, which was quite extraordinary, but um, uh, only 20 months into that agreement. And he said the final straw, he knew it was time to go when uh, two weeks ago he was on a plane leaving Sydney after visiting his daughter and said he just wanted to be with her. So mm-hmm. um, it's been a very tough time, a tumultuous time uh, for the now former Broncos coach. Now, Ben, since the Broncos used to be considered quite the cream of the crop, what do you think yeah. is the reason for the shift in quality of their skill? And does this have anything to do with Anthony? Well, look, he was a very different coach. Um, some say he may have lost the dressing room. That is the word that we're hearing. And what that means is that the players just don't respond to him. They just don't play uh, for him. Uh, there's, there's two sides to this. There's Anthony Seabold as the footy coach and Anthony Seabold as the man. And both those sides have played a big part in what has happened today and has come to this point. Um, he has been uh, the, I guess, the brunt of a massive uh, trolling attack, uh, social media and a hate campaign, basically, uh, towards him, but then it has involved his family. So he has mm-hmm. been dealing with that. It's been well documented. There's been a, an investigation involving an overseas cyber company uh, looking into who and uh, who started these um, rumours. And it's something that Anthony Seabold addressed today. Mm-hmm. He said um, very quickly, he said, look, it was, um, he said, this is a discussion for another day, but he will be handing names to police. So he's had that to deal with. He's had 
to deal with the effect it's had on his family. I mentioned being away from, uh, oh, sorry, flying back from Sydney after spending time with his daughter. She's finishing off high school down there. So while the rest of the family is here in Queensland, his daughter is in Sydney, mm-hmm. uh, and she has been going through some tough times. Um, and he, uh, the reason why he has not been coaching for the last two weeks is when they last travelled to Sydney, he spent time with her, so he got out of the NRL bubble uh, and did what a dad had to do, mm-hmm. spent time with her, which means he obviously then all had to self-isolate under Queensland law, uh, and that's where he has been for the last two weeks. And then over that time, he's come to the decision, uh, enough is enough. Now, as far as coaching, Anthony Seabold, the coach's tactics were very different. He's very much in a school teacher mould or you know, very analytical, using a lot of computers, a lot of uh, techniques and technical analysis. Maybe it was just too much for this young group to understand. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, also, Yeah, I was going to say, and I think also we should stress it as a young group, there was not a layer of leadership and older heads at that club uh, to be a, a conduit between what the coach is trying to do and, and get the players, the younger players, to, uh, to be on board as well. Yeah, yeah, that happens a lot in, when you get a bunch of new people and, you know, you lose uh, the stuff. But um, obviously, how are the Broncos going to recover from this? And who do you think the next co- head coach is going to be? Well, all the talk is coming down to two. Um, both former players at the club are one, being a former captain in Kevin Walters. Six premierships, Kevy. He's done it all as a player. Uh, the only thing he hasn't done as a coach is actually coached at NRL level. He's obviously been an origin coach. Um, and has had some success with Queensland with that. But here's the big thing, and this is untried at uh, NRL at level. The difference between being an origin coach where you're getting a group of players together over a nine-week period and for the best part of four training sessions before playing a game, it's a very different role you have to play as a motivator and as a coach. And let's just use you know, um, air quotes here. Coaching at Origin, there's not much coaching going on. As far as when you compare it to NRL, which is week in, week out, seven days a week, maybe eight days a week, 25 hours a day. So it's a very different role of coach. So that is something we don't know if Kevin Walters can do that. He is a favourite because of what he has done with the club. He is a connection between the past and the steeped history that the Broncos have. But also, he does have connection with modern-day players, with his role uh, with the Queensland Origin team. That's why he's favourite. Paul mm-hmm. Green, former Cowboys coach, who did spend um, a year at the Brisbane Broncos or, a, or part of a season at the Brisbane Broncos back in 2004, his name has been bandied up. He's obviously left the Cowboys. Uh, he's had success with them back in 2015 at the grand final. He's taken to a, um, some grand finals uh, as well. But his coaching style, some say, is more like Anthony Seabold. Mm-hmm. Do they need a repeat of what is going on there? That's a really good new? point. Do they want a coach that's going to repeat the same history that they've recently have? Thank, yeah, yeah. You, thank you so much for joining us today, Ben Davies. You have brought a large insight, especially to me. I don't really follow the Broncos. So thank oh, yeah, you so much because yeah. it's made me understand a lot more what goes on behind the scenes with coaches. We've only just scratched the surface. You know what? It's the most <laughs> prized possession in Australian sport. One of the most prized possessions in Australian sport. But you know what? At the end of the day, who would be a coach? Because <laughs> you're the one who's in the firing line the whole time. Thank you, guys. It's been a pleasure to chat. Thank oh, you thank so you. much. Now, our team has hit the streets to get to the bottom of the Seabold story, which, funny enough, is similar to the Broncos' position on the ladder. <laughs>
The ex-coach hailed a press conference this morning to address the media. Let's take a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, last week I made the decision to finish my tenure as coach of the Brisbane Broncos. Today I'm announcing that I'll be stepping down from the role immediately. From a professional viewpoint, this was the hardest decision I've ever had to make. But right now I want to spend some more time with my family as they've made enormous sacrifices for me in recent times. Yeah, I think with um, five games to play, they're certainly um, looking, obviously, to take the wooden spoon this year, which is a bit of a shame given how great the club is. I don't even know what a wooden spoon is. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. Um, I have to admit, I don't watch. Is it rugby league? Yeah. <laughs> so I have no clue. I don't think they had a choice. You know, when you, when you look at uh, how good the club is uh, and the history of the club, um, somebody like Anthony Seabold was never going to take them forward into the future. Even though that he's got some um, new up-and-coming ways, um, it's still uh, you know, a working man's sport and the way to get the best out of the, for the players is um, being on the same level as them and, and um, people managing them rather than newfound scientific ways which Anthony Seabold was known for. I do not know who he is and it sounds like I don't need to know because they're clearly losing and are not very good. They've dropped quite a lot from when I last watched them. Sounds like they suck. Haven't watched them for quite a while, um, but I think new leadership and it's all about the team cohesiveness as well. So yeah, anybody has a chance. If it's just the coaching, then yes, but if it isn't the coaching and it's the players, then they would have a worse chance. I think they've got um, a fantastic up and coming team. Whether they can, they'll certainly do better than they have this year. Um, but I think the, the Broncos have got to take it on the chin and look at rebuilding, which is what n clubs normally have to do. Um, the Broncos have been very fortunate over their history not to have to do that, but I think it's a new era for the Broncos and they're certainly going to have to look at rebuilding the club. I've been to some of their games before, yeah. but only because I've had free tickets. Who should be the coach next year? Oh, geez. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Is Darren Locke your interest in coaching? <laughs> The netball player from Kath and Kim, I don't know what her name is, but she would be pretty good as well. Anybody's better than nobody. <laughs> I, think, I think there is only one, one person that can actually put the, the passion back into the club and that's Kevin Walters. Um, the, you know, his resume says it all as a player, as a, as, a, as a coach of the Origin team, given the history that he's got there. The passion has to be put back in the team before they can start looking at winning championships. And that is what the people had to say about the recent Broncos dismissal or leaving. Um, and this is 7 Minutes by Dean Lewis and you're listening to For The Record on phoenixradio.com.au You are listening to For The Record and Tyler, I just wanted to say it isn't any of my business where people like to do their grocery shopping. However, Aldi has announced that they are 100% committed to making all 555 stores in Australia powered by wind and solar by the end of 2021, including their stores in Ipswich, which is only possible after the rollout of rooftop solar across its stores and warehouses and the linking of two wind energy offtake deals. That sounds amazing. Um, and today we be joining us to talk about the benefits of renewable energy. We have Andreas Helwig, an expert in sustainable energy from our very own University of Southern Queensland. Thank you for joining us today, Andreas. Thanks, Tyler. Uh, so, Andreas, obviously the University of Southern Queensland is also doing similar stuff like this, um, along with Aldi. Um, what does it actually mean for Aldi? 
Well, it means that Aldi can actually start to balance their loads. Um, like the USQ, uh, Aldi probably has their peak load demand during the day, and this actually matches the uh, solar uh, photovoltaic uh, generation source. So they can actually offset those sort of peaks that occur due to air conditioning, refrigeration, and actually people coming and going from the store. Mm-hmm. Um, and this reduces their demand for energy during the day. Um, and um, if they can export it as well, depending on where they are in Australia, uh, they can actually become energy neutral in the future as well. Mm-hmm. Now, making all 555 Aldi stores and warehouses across Australia 100% renewable by the end of 2021 sounds like a massive claim. Is it actually possible for Aldi to accomplish this task? If there are enough uh, accredited installers and they have the um, supply chain for the equipment uh, on hand, uh, it's possible to install that. Uh, What it may mean, though, with the number of stores across Australia, that overall um, the Australian operation, they may become energy neutral, Mm -hmm. um, but their individual stores themselves may not achieve that. It very much depends on geographical location and what the uh, solar resources are in that location. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, what would it mean for Australia if more businesses became invested in renewable energy? Could it lead to something becoming more accessible and affordable for everyday Australians? This is a difficult one to answer. Um, At the moment, uh, in Queensland, as an example, just uh, looking at the uh, national electricity grid at the moment, we've just come out of a period when we've had excess solar today and the price on the spot price on the market actually dropped to minus $41 per megawatt hour. Uh, What this means is it can muck up what we call the base load market uh, for energy market in Australia. Mm -hmm. And uh, if we don't have the ability to store this energy, um, then there are costs involved involved in that. Um, Creating the systems, which could be batteries, could be pumped energy uh, hydro storage. Uh Uh, It could actually be hydrogen generation. These, again, take investment and time to install in a national network like this. Um, and that's where we, um, you know, we really have to do some work and get this right the first time. Mm-hmm. Now, finally, Andreas, what can everyday Australians do to contribute towards a more renewable energy future? Okay, well, there's three things really. Uh, if possible, switchable loads like your washing machine and your um, dishwasher, uh, put a timer on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, time them to come on during midday or during you know, between 10 a.m. and 3 in the afternoon instead of using them in the evening or overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, this will actually help as a load absorber and actually reduce peak loads as well during the day. The second thing, uh, management, uh, energy management, so LED lights through the house, mm-hmm. um, using uh, when you renew your refrigeration or air conditioning, installing an inverter refrigerator or an inverter um, air conditioning, will again reduce uh, significantly starting currents for these as well as reduce the overall energy cost. Mm -hmm. And they actually give a much uh, more even temperature control regardless of whether it's space heating or refrigeration. Now, the third thing really is for the young people who who are interested in a sustainable world. Uh, If you want to become part of this, I mean, don't just talk about it or protest about it on social media. Come and study engineering because we need people to actually do the research, development, operation of these new systems, um, installation and also uh, lifetime use to actually be part of this change. So, I mean, I encourage young people who are interested in this area, uh, come and study with the USQ. Um, We're part of this research and development ourselves and we'd love to see more people take up these careers. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us today, Andreas. 
My pleasure. You have a great afternoon. You Thank too. you. We will. Um, and stick around because coming up next, we talk to Russell about a show next and an update on my hunt for a certain political figure. You're listening to phoenixradio.com.au and this is Slide Away by Miley Cyrus. This is For The Record. And now there are many heroes out there and we are lucky enough to have one right in the studio with us. That's right, Gabby. He's Phoenix Radio's favourite presenter. And every week from 2 to 3, he heroically brings us the latest and greatest in his action-packed pop culture show, Hero Time. So, Russell, what is this? Am I hearing about a new fan dome? DC held their fan dome last week, their very own convention, which revealed some sneak peeks into some of DC's upcoming projects, including Black Adam, starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and some faces from Marvel films. Word on the street is there's a new caped crusader in town. Who's behind the mask? It's Robert Pattinson. He's donned the black cape in the announced DC film, The Batman. And yeah, that's it. Thanks awesome. so much, Russell. Thanks Russell. so much, Russell. It sounds like it's going to be a fantastic show. Coming up next, you are listening to For the Record with, with Tyler and Gabby. High achieving year 12 students who put the University of Southern Queensland first on their QTAC application could become rewarded. Automatic scholarships up to $29,000 are on offer. Make USQ your first choice and join the number one university in Australia for graduate starting salary. Visit usq.edu.au slash become rewarded for more details. <laughs> 